0: Okay. Are y'all ready to get started? Finishing your last conversations? Karen McCarty is finishing her last conversation or she's not. (laughs) I was. (laughs) That's okay. Okay. Um, I hope you enjoyed small group. Let's pray and then we'll get started. Heavenly father, Your word is alive and active and at work in our hearts and our lives today. Your son spoke these words for our joy, for our protection, for our peace, for us to love one another. Give us his joy. Give us his protection. Give us his peace. Give us his love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, is Kay here? Okay, Kay's not here. Good, so I can talk about her. (laughs) Um, So I was talking uh, about the Super Bowl to Kay Jordan. And uh, a few weeks ago, we were talking about the funny commercials. And we were talking about the halftime show. And she was totally cracking me up because she was quite confident that in the new heavens and the new earth, she will have dance moves like Beyonce and Bruno Mars. (laughs) So perhaps... We all will uh, be so blessed to be able to dance like that in the new heavens, and the new earth. But I don't know if you saw the um, the halftime show. But over 114 million people were watching. Okay. And as part of this, the ending song was this Coldplay song that was called "Up and Up." And these are the lyrics: We're gonna get it together, get it together right now. We're gonna get it together get it together, somehow. Gonna get it, get it together, and flower. Don't really know what that part means. (laughs) Uh, um, So Kay made the comment, as we were talking about this halftime show, that sure is the infamous somehow. (laughs) Some of the other lyrics of the song go on to kind of show how impossible it can feel to just get it together. So these, these are some of the other lyrics. Lying in the gutter, aiming for the moon, trying to empty out the ocean with a spoon. <laughs> so it was interesting, though, because this is kind of like a sad song to me, but they're singing it as this anthem of hope. We're going to get it together somehow. As pictures of Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson are playing in the background. And what I would suggest to you today is that our text of John 15 and 16 says to our world and to all who are watching the halftime show, you are not going to get it together somehow. You can't get it together somehow. It doesn't matter how badly you might want to or want others to. The only way to get it together is through God. There is no getting it together apart from God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. So these two chapters are the second section of the upper room discourse. And next week we'll have the last section, which is the beautiful prayer of Jesus for his people. But if you think in terms of this being some of his very last words before he is betrayed and headed to the cross, we can see that he is preparing his disciples. He is telling them these last things that they need to know before he goes. And there is more in these two chapters than just these things for sure. There is so much. But for our short time together, we're going to look at three things. First, how he is preparing them by pointing them to their connection to him and to God, the Father and to God, the Holy Spirit. And second, how he's preparing them by alerting them to future desertion and attack from within. And then third, how he's preparing them for their own tribulation and scattering and betrayal that will come. So first, let's look at how Jesus prepares them by pointing them to their connection to him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. So as I was studying for this lesson and reading lots of different commentaries, I kept reading about how chapter 15 was this transformative section of scripture for these really incredible people, like the great missionary Hudson Taylor and John P- Piper. And honestly, just putting it out there, my initial reaction was really? Really? This section? Uh, For them, these verses were this really great comfort. The vine was a comfort to them. But my response was more a feeling of thinking that I just wasn't quite living up to expectations. (laughs) That my fruit was surely a disappointment. And also feeling this pressure to just abide already then. Like, come on and just abide. Um, And I was really kind of struggling with what that would even mean. (laughs) What does that even mean then? So as I kept digging in, there were two kind of perspective shifts that happened for me that helped me to more get to the heart of this passage. First was the comment in our lesson. It said, this passage is not about trying to stay connected to the vine. It's about what happens if you're connected or not connected. So this helped me to read the verses more in a sense of expectation. I'm connected. So what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life with expectant hands from God, instead of focusing on judging my own fruit? Then it was the second perspective shift that really helped me to understand how these verses could be a lifelong comfort and really important preparation for the disciples and also for us. As I was initially reading these verses more in my guilt of judging my own fruit, I was making myself the main character of the story. But I am not the main character of the vine story. And thankfully, neither are you. Jesus is the main character of the vine story. And this analogy is meant to show another way that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament hopes and expectations. To the original audience of the book of John, Jesus is not this assumed Messiah like he is in my mind. So just like when Jesus... Claimed he was the way, the truth, and the life, and was wanting them to see that they could only come to the Father through him. Here, he is claiming to be the vine and the only way that any branch can bear fruit. The main character is Jesus. This is about his role as vine. This is about his efficacy as vine. He is the only one with the ability to provide fruit. So what is the fruit? Well, fruit is always determined by what vine it grows on. Grapes grow from a grapevine. Watermelon grows from a watermelon vine. So since the vine here is Jesus, the fruit that we look for is fruit like Jesus. Piper has a quote that says, being branches does not mean that we become the all providing, all enabling vine. It means that we are united to his love, his joy, his peace. So when you read verse eight, that says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You can read this as a claim of Christ that he brings glory to his father when he works in his disciples for them to bear fruit. And when their fruit that is born looks like him, it's him claiming that he will bring glory to his father through working in us to make us look like him. When we love Like he loves, we show his growing that love in us. And we also show the work of the vine dresser. Now, I must say that when on a day in and day out basis, um, I feel like all I really do is tend to and care for others. It was refreshing to remember that there is one who is tending and caring for me. There is one who's working to make sure that I am flourishing. He is at work to make sure I am flourishing. And as part of the flourishing, there will be pruning. But the pruning is intentionally done by loving hands with the goal of bringing about me being more fruitful, more full of Jesus's love. Jesus's peace. Jesus's joy. So Jesus prepares them. By telling them of their connection to him and through him to the father. And as part of this connection, what are they to do? And what are we to do? We are to abide in that connection, to abide in Jesus and abide in his love. So verse five says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, it is that bears much fruit for apart from me. You can do nothing. Verse nine says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Then verse 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So how do we explain abiding? Uh, I would explain it by saying we're looking to Jesus for the how and the what of our daily living, our daily life. How am I supposed to do anything? Only in the power and the enabling that comes from Jesus. What am I to do? What he does, what he has told me to do, which can be summarized by saying we are to love one another. We are to love others as he has loved us. But you can't short circuit the flow. You can't try to love out of your own strength. You have to love out of the provision of the vine. We are not called to love with our own love like the rest of the world does. I'm just going to keep loving you with Rebecca's love. Um, we are called to love with Jesus's love that only he grows in us and that is provided by this life-giving relationship to the vine. So I have an example for you of how I have not been doing this, um, how I have not been living out of my connection to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the last few weeks, um, I've had sick kids and fussy kids and colicky kid. And um, so one day last week, I kind of reached a breaking point and I texted a friend, I am done. I am just done. And it is only 7.15 in the morning. Um, Ah, pray for me. I am done. So, uh, of course, I'm working on this lesson as I'm, you know, texting. I am done. And um, (laughs) so as I have reflected on this and I've been praying about what uh, this lesson, as I realized I wouldn't have. Okay. So I wouldn't have said out loud like it out loud like this, but if practically you looked at my life. What I am often doing is doing things out of my own strength until I get to a point where I can't do it anymore. And then I throw up my hands and pray to God. (laughs) Father, I can't be patient anymore. Help me to be patient. Father, I can't stop replaying in my head the way this person wronged me. Help me. Father, I can't keep my mouth from saying something I shouldn't say right now. Help me. So after the fact, after I've kind of tried my best, then I throw up my hands and say, I can't do it. Help me. But what I think abiding here means is actually starting out from the very beginning with the posture of, I am done. I, Rebecca, can't do anything fruitful apart from you. So abiding would say, I'm not going to try to be patient with my own patience and then when I get to a certain point say, give me some more. From the very beginning, I'm going to say, I'm going to be I'm going to allow you in this life-giving relationship to help me to be patient with your patience. I'm going to live in my connection to the vine. And vine dresser as my life-giving, love-giving, joy-giving, peace-giving source. And of course, I love this. Jesus knowing that we will completely 100% need need help with this quickly tells of the coming Holy Spirit. (laughs) Didn't you love all the different ways we saw the Trinity in these verses and also in chapter 14 last week? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all linked. They have these different roles and are bringing glory to one another. And Jesus here points them to the time when the Holy Spirit will come and convict them and guide them and bear witness about the Father and the Son. As part of his preparing them that they are connected to the vine, he tells them that he's sending a helper. The helper will help them to abide. They need the helper to abide. Okay, the second way we want to look at their preparation is from desertion and attack from within. Most commentators agree that Jesus is preparing his disciples for the betrayal of Judas. When he says these comments about the father taking away every branch in him that does not bear fruit. Now, in the past, I think I've thought about the betrayal that Jesus must have felt from Judas, but I don't think I had really thought through how the disciples would have felt. This was their friend. This was their partner. And he betrayed their Savior. How were they supposed to think of him? What are they supposed to think about this person that they lived with for three years? So after the fact, I think Jesus wanted to make sure that they would remember that he was not surprised by Judas's betrayal. So when we looked at the foot washing, he told them, not all of you are clean. And here Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So Michael says about this, that the absence of fruit implies the absence of life. That is a life giving relationship to the vine. So it is, it is those who are not clean and not alive in Christ who are taken away. So as the disciples think of Judas and perhaps as you think of someone who has deserted, they should think he was not ever clean. He was not ever alive in Christ he was not ever connected to the vine in a life-giving way. If you're connected, you can't be disconnected. Jesus also wanted to prepare them for their attack from their own fellow Jews. Chapter 16, 2-4 says, They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Finally, Jesus wants to prepare them for their own tribulation and scattering and betrayal. We read in chapter 15, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me Before it hated you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So the tribulation, any tribulation is to be viewed in light of our connection to him. So what about the scattering and betrayal? The end of chapter 16 reads, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. So how incredibly beautiful... That here, Jesus prepares them, not for the betrayal of others, but for their own betrayal of him. He knows it is coming. They will scatter and not stand by his side. And here, he wants to make sure that they remember later, when they are hating their betrayal of him, that he was not alone that he knew it would happen, but that he was not alone. His father was with him. And he wants them to know that their betrayal doesn't change anything about their connection to him. He offers them his peace. In him, there is peace. Even peace for their failures. So then we have these last words before he begins his prayer in the next chapter. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We all know that we will have really hard seasons of life and that we will have to face our own failures and the failures of others. And during those times, we can look to these words that Jesus speaks to prepare us. And we can take comfort from what Jesus drew comfort from. During those times, we have to remind ourselves, we are not alone. And this is not the end of our story. And we have to remind each other, you are not alone. And this is not the end of your story. We are in Jesus and Jesus is in us. So we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And just as Jesus prepared his disciples, he prepares us to live each moment in our connection to him. He prepares us to be able to know how to process desertion, how to process attack from within and he prepares us that in him, we can be ready for tribulation. You are not alone. And this, whatever this is, is not the end of your story. We look to a day where the sun will return. We look to a day where we will ask nothing because we have everything. We look to a day where our Savior's victory is as real in every circumstance of our life as it is in heaven now. We look to a day where our sin is not there and where the sins of others that hurt us so much are not there. This is not the end of our story. But in this story, in this awful story, as Jesus was deserted by his followers, he was not alone. We are not alone. Okay, let's pray. Oh, Father, you know how much I needed this reminder right now. Part of your tending and caring for us is how you encourage us through your word, through your people, through church, through being together, through our hard circumstances. Thank you that we are connected to you and your son and your spirit and that we are never alone. May your spirit guide us and teach us and may you prune us to help us to learn to live by abiding. In Jesus' name, amen.